One of the great things about living life is that time keeps going by, and that means we forget certain things. Uh, for example, um, I, I know the Great Recession was just in 2008, and I can try to remember what it was like when I went to Orlando, and in my parents' subdivision, one out of every five houses was a foreclosure. But i got to be honest, I've kind of forgotten. What about you? With the seller's market that we're in and the, the time being just a little bit different than the Great Recession, I, I can remember it, but I'm, I'm starting to forget, and maybe that's a good thing. Or I consider another big event, um, I consider 9-11, and whenever that time comes in September, I can remember where I was, I can remember the sense of national pride I had and the sense to secure our borders and make sure we were still a strong country the, the heartfelt that I had for those affected by it and the families. But it's not front and center. I actually have to spend time thinking about it and go back to remember because I'm not in it anymore. And then there are some things that, you know, um, I don't remember but I've heard of. Uh, for example, maybe some of you remember the Vietnam War and the protests by the hippies. The unrest at the time, what it felt like. I don't remember this, but I've heard of it. Or maybe for some of you, remember what it was like when uh, JFK was assassinated. The feel of the country, the problems of the time, if, if you can go back and, and kind of get a sense of that day. But because it's not front and center, you do have to take some intentionality to remember what it was like. And the reason I bring this up is because in our first takeaway, I just want to make this point that the present will soon be the past. And the past will not be remembered. Or at least not very much. And the reason I brought that up is because we're smack dab in the middle of this pandemic, aren't we? And before, I used to know a person who knew a person who had COVID, but now I know a person. What about you? Does anyone here know on someone directly at work or in their family who has COVID? Absolutely. This seems more like any other time, the height of the pandemic in, in many ways, and because of that, for your Thanksgiving, I'm sure the plans might have changed. You might not be uh, traveling. You might not be getting together with family. It's going to look a little different. But here's what I would remind you. This is going to pass. There's going to come a year where COVID is not front and center. And we're going to struggle to remember what was it like that Thanksgiving where we didn't go and it looked a little bit different. We may be in the middle of it now, but this too will someday be in the past. I consider this because of the pers perspective through Scripture. In Ecclesiastes, it says this, that no one remembers the former generations, or even the former problems. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. This gives me a good, great life goal, that if your life goal is just to build a legacy and do something for yourself, that your name will be remembered. Solomon says that's kind of short-sighted. And let me ask you, do you know your great-great-grandfather or your great-great-grandmother? If you do, maybe a faint recollection because of Ancestry.com, I'm not sure, but very hard to remember. And so we don't remember what it was like um, when the Spanish flu was a thing. We don't remember what it was like when the Black Plague was a thing. And that's because time keeps rolling on. 
And someday this too will not be remembered. I bring this up because I want to talk to you today about reasons we have to give thanks, even in a very strange year. And I love getting into the Word of God, and we've been taking not just one week, but three weeks looking at the reasons we can be full of thanks. If you're here with us, we said you can't be full of thanks without contentment. Last week we said you can't be full of thanks without generosity. And today, hopefully you'll get a laundry list of reasons that you can gather this week, whatever it looks like, and say, you know what, I still have reason to give thanks. Now, I wanted to welcome especially those who are new, and maybe you're watching online and you just stumbled across this feed. Maybe you're here and you don't consider yourself a Christian. I want to tell you kind of the, the, the big picture story. Jesus came into this world and he warned us that there would be trouble. But he told us that he had overcome this world through his cross. Jesus did everything for our salvation through his cross. And there is nothing we can add to it. No good works, no amount of thanks that can ever uh, provide enough for our salvation. And all that is left for us in Jesus is to give thanks. The only thing you can do is give praise. Because salvation is all that he's done. And so the idea of thanksgiving is not just for this week, it is not just for this day, it is every day for the life of a Christian. We are to give thanks, and in Jesus there are reasons for it. So we're going to turn to the Word of God, and we're going to find someone who is very thankful. His name is David. And in the Word of God, a little background of the story, um, David had just taken over as king, and he had waited a long time to become king, uh, seven years to get to the place where he was at. He was waiting for Saul to be removed, and then one of Saul's sons tried to take the kingdom from David, and so he waited seven years to reign over all of Israel and Judah. And this is a psalm that he wrote during the time frame that he had just taken over. The context of the story is this from 2 Samuel, where it says, David took up his residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful. So this had just happened to him. But here's why he had a new day, a secure day, victory. It happened because... I think of all the worldly answers we could give to that. It happened because, well, David was a warrior, of course. He beat Goliath, and it's only right that he would have someday taken over. Because, well, he was a man after God's own heart, and everyone knows he was just a, a model believer. By the way, don't look at the Bathsheba thing, but anyway. Because why? Why? The Lord Almighty was with him. And because the Lord Almighty was with him, he took over. He had the blessing of the Lord. And so he writes a psalm of thanks. What was finally to be a king over that kingdom. And these are words we get to consider for thanksgiving. So in honor of the word of God, something that we do is we just stand as we hear his voice. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear the words of this psalm. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. 
For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. When you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. This is the powerful word that we can consider. Can you say out louder to a neighbor, the Lord Almighty is with you? The Lord Almighty is with you. All right, be seated. We get to have some fun in the word of God. Does anyone remember when they first got their driver's license? You harken back, first photo. I want to tell you this story. So I was excited because I always liked cars and I was excited to drive a car. And so the first day I got my driver's license was when our um, whole high school did the musical Oklahoma. And uh, I was Ali Hakim at the time. It was, it was a fun role. It was a humorous role. And I was kind of high on life where my sister hands me keys because I had just gotten my driver's license to drive home. And so this is my first experience. And um, I'm excited to drive. It's an old Pontiac. And they don't even make those anymore. But uh, old car. And, and, and while I was driving home, listening to the music as loud as I wanted to because mom and dad weren't in the car, um, I see this in the back window. On the first day, I had my driver's license. Now, I was going 72 and a 65, and some adults told me I could do that and get away with it. Um, but anyway, uh, the police officer did not say the same. Now, now thankfully, uh, when I was pulled over, uh, he gave me a warning. Um, so he understood that I had just gotten my license. And, and by the way, um, that warning worked. I, I did like 65 on the dot for like the next two years. Anyway. Um, but that day was a hard day because I wasn't even as afraid of the flashing lights. What I was afraid of was going home. And I was afraid of telling my grandmother who I was living with and calling my mom and dad that on the first day I had my license, I got pulled over. And it was hard for me because the way God built me, I'm, I'm kind of a conscientious person. I, I had a sharp conscience, and I was a kid in grade school who cried when his name got on the board. And, and so this means that as I'm going home, I'm very conscientious about it, and I'm terrified. I think they're going to disown me, say, yep, that's it. Who do you think you are, right? And so as I tell them what happened, as you might imagine, based on what I told you about myself, I cried. Many tears were shed. You had the cold sweats of wondering what they're going to do. What are they going to say? Am I never going to be able to drive again? That would be awful. Now, they handled it very well. They were gracious. They understood. But it made for a rough night. The good thing, the next day I was fine. I had a good cry, and I had a new opportunity. The good thing is that even though I remember the intensity of that moment, it did not last and I didn't have to live in that fear. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like it. Where maybe there was a night that totally went wrong. And maybe you just learned that you lost your job. 
and there was a night of weeping. Or maybe you were in high school and they broke it off. You were upset. Or maybe for you, you didn't make the grade or you didn't make the team or you didn't get the job. And, and because of that, you know what it is to have some, some nights of weeping. What's really great, and maybe you've experienced this, they didn't last. They didn't last. I'm no longer 16. And so the first takeaway is this. Regardless of the pits before or the pits present, whatever pit you're in, I've got to tell you on behalf of the Lord, you're not going to stay in it. In fact, David, he put it this way. He said, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And some of you know what it's like to be so down and to be so much in trouble and so much worried and frightful, but you know what it's also like to get lifted out of that place. This is the power of our God. But I bring it up because during COVID, let's be honest, many people are in the pits. A lot of different ones. I was doing some research about um, what's happening in El Paso, Texas, my birthplace. And they call it the epicenter of the pandemic, at least in October. Um, because for whatever reason, COVID is affecting the Latinos more than it is other people. Disproportionate amount of deaths there. And so there was a psychiatrist kind of looking at the state of things in El Paso. A Dr. Delgado, um, who had this to say. He said, you know, grief is everywhere right now. Either because people lost their family members, because they lost their job, because they lost normalcy in their lives. And, and, and maybe there are some in the room that can relate to this. That there's just grief everywhere. And, and the people in your network, they're not doing so well. And, and if you're truth be told, maybe you're not doing fine either. And, and, and that's going on. But I tell you on behalf of the Lord, it will not last. It cannot last. In fact, do you know you were meant for eternity? And when you compare however many years you have right now to eternity, this is a drop in the bucket. This is a vapor, a mist, a shadow. You are not here long. And I love what David wrote, but I also love what a man named Paul wrote. And Paul wrote this. He said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them. And Paul is looking at eternity, and he's looking down at your life, and he's saying, whatever your pit you're in, however intense it is, it is still light, and it is momentary. Because forever you will be with the Lord. And you will know what it is like to have an unfailing love. You'll have opportunity to explore the new heavens and the new earth. What's also true is that if you're in a pit that causes weeping, do you know God put an expiration date on your tears? Do you know that? There is an expiration date to tears and sadness if you are in Christ. But you know what he didn't put an expiration date on? Joy. See, when we go to heaven, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more sadness, but there will be joy and there will be praise eternally. And so if you have no reason for thanks, it is this, that in Jesus, weeping will end. And rejoicing will have no end. But some of you are like, but pastor, this hasn't just been a night. This hasn't just been, you know, a little while. Some of us are in chronic circumstances that are forever hard. And I want to tell you about the rich man and poor Lazarus. 
All we know about this parable that Jesus told is that Lazarus' whole life was pretty hard. He was a beggar who never had enough. And he loved dogs. Dogs were in his life and dogs just licked his wounds. And that's all we know about his whole earthly life. But then he got to heaven. And he had a glory that so far outweighed everything that a rich man who had a really good season on earth wanted to trade. I tell you, even if your whole life is hard, it is still only a night of weeping and rejoicing will come in the morning. And that morning will never end. Yes, we have reason for thanks. But I want to give you more. And to give you another reason, I want to tell you an incredible story. The story is about two NFL players. Uh, this is Delan McCullough and Sherman Smith. Delan McCullough, when he was a, a young kid, was recruited by the University of Miami, recruited by Sherman Smith to be a running back. And um, Delan was struck by Sherman. He was in awe over this man. Delan said it was the type of guy you just wanted something from him to rub off on you because he was just that special, the way he carried himself. And, and there was something about Sherman. Uh, he showed a, a certain amount of favor to Delan. He treated him like a son. This is what he did. The, the way about them, the, their relationship. In fact, uh, the teammates would say that they kind of even walked and talked the same uh, because of how well they got along. Now, now time went on and... Um, Sherman Smith started uh, coaching other places, University of Illinois for a little while, uh, Seattle Seahawks for a little while. Delan had some time in the NFL, the XFL, uh, but then went to coaching too, and the, the two got in contact, talking about being you know, coaches for football. But something you should know about Delan is that he was adopted. Now, for a long time, he was on a search for his birth father. And it was in 2017 that Delan finally found his birth father. Do you know who it was? Sherman Smith. Now, Sherman had no idea. No idea he had uh, gotten someone pregnant. The lady never told him. He was married for 42 years with two other kids when he found out. But maybe that's why there was this, this favor. Maybe that's why there was this connection. When Delan found this out, he was ecstatic. In fact, this is what Delan said. He said, if you would have told me to pick who my father was, there's no way I would have picked him. Because I might have thought I wasn't worthy for him to be my father. How much love is in those words? To know how favored he was by this man who turns out to be his father. And Sherman, even though surprised, said, you know what, this is a God thing. That's a pretty neat story. Do you know what it is to be favored? It's interesting. Grandparents have a way of favoring their grandkids. I see that every now and then. You ever been favored by a boy or girl? If you ever had that, that's good to be on the other side of. Ever been favored by a teacher or a coach? They just treat you with some special kindness. One of the reasons we have to give thanks is because of the favor of God. And David knows what it's like to be in the favor of God. In fact, David said this, Lord, when you favored me, it was so good that you made my royal mountain stand firm. See, David, as he takes over the city of David, as he's finally reigning as king, he knows how he got there. He got it through the favor 
of his heavenly Father. And if you want to do a study of the favor of God among people, it is incredible what God can do when he favors someone. Like Joseph. Joseph who worked in Egypt under Potiphar. And here it says, when the master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave success in everything he did, he was favored. Or I could tell you about Job, and yes, Job lost everything, but then he got everything doubly because of the favor of God. There's a man named Ezekiel, a prophet, who when the Lord was with him did something incredible. It says in Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. You know what happened with those bones? They rose up and came to life because of the power and the favor of God. It's the same power in the New Testament. When the church grew, in Acts chapter 11, it says the Lord's hand was with him. And then what happens? A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord because the power is with the Lord. And then maybe some of you are saying, how do I get some of that favor? I'd like that favor when I go to school. And I'd like that favor on the court. And I'd like that favor in my family and in my job. Can, can I get that favor? You asking that? You wondering that? Can I tell you the bad news? There's nothing you can do for his favor. Let me dig in on that. In fact, if it were up to you, you should not be favored at all. And that's me as well. Because the truth of our humanity is that we are disobedient. We are imperfect. We are rebellious at heart. And we still struggle every day trying to be as good as God wants us to be, and we fail, and we fail, and we fail in thought or word and deed. I was reading about the state of humanity from the book of Genesis, and this is what God said over the state of humanity. He said, The Lord saw how great wickedness of the human race had become on earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart was only evil all the time. And some of you write, but, but, but pastor, it's not that bad, and I'm not that bad. Well, let me give you a test. Would you like to go to school or work with a megaphone that's attached to the thoughts of your mind and you have to wear that megaphone all week? Would you disprove or prove what Jesus just said in Genesis? And so, no. We can't earn his favor. So how do we get it? Hmm called grace. And grace is undeserved love and favor. Grace is a love that chooses to love us because God chose to love. It comes from him. And this grace is yours through Jesus Christ. Favor is yours through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was perfect. He kept the favor of his Father every day that he lived. And through faith in him, we have the favor of the Father. And Jesus dies on the cross. And he secures favor past all of our sin and past all of our shame. And Jesus rises from death to prove there is eternity. He is just the, the first fruits of those who rise. To assure us in our hearts somewhere through the Spirit, we will be favored by our Heavenly Father forever and ever 
and ever. That favor, it will never end. It will never go away. And it is yours because of grace. Not because we have earned or deserved it. You want reason for thanks. In Jesus, you are favored. He loves you better than a grandparent could love a grandchild. And some of your grandparents' minds are exploding. That's how well you are favored by God. And when we understand what we deserve versus what we get, it's then that we start saying the words of the song we just sang. Did you hear the words of the song we sang? I love the, the line that says, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? Who am I that I get a seat at that banquet? And that banquet is good regardless of what your Thanksgiving feast will look like. If your Thanksgiving feast is the best it's ever been and the worst, it doesn't matter because you get to sit at the king's table. And sitting at the king's table, that means you have peace regardless of the shame you might be in. It means that you have company regardless of the isolating circumstances you might be in. It means you have a future no matter how bad the present is because that is secured. You have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven by God for you. You are favored. And we're going to sing it in the blessing. May the favor be on you. May the favor be on you. May the favor be on you. And I tell you, it is, it is, it is. In fact, we're going to celebrate favor today in a baptism. It's such a beautiful picture because what can a child do or give to God? Nothing. But it doesn't matter to God because through the simple washing of rebirth and renewal, he favors that child and brings them into the family. When they could do nothing, he does everything to display. This is how the kingdom of God works. I favor you because I chose to. It's not up to you. So there are reasons for thanks, even in a COVID Thanksgiving. And I could preach five more hours on it. I do want to give one more verse. Look at verse 2. It says, Lord, my God, I called you for help and you healed me. And it's interesting during COVID uh, how many people have gotten COVID, but also how many people have been healed. It's interesting this week um, that, that we were praying for some people and they're better God knows how to heal. And it's not just from COVID. It's from cancer. It's from uh, blood diseases. It's from every different thing. He knows how to heal until he wants to call you and see you face to face. And while I'm not saying be unsafe, I am saying put your confidence in the healer God. And a reason for thanks is this, that there is always hope for help and healing. And if you came in today and you need help, in Jesus you got it. And if you need healing, in Jesus you got it, according to his will. There are reasons for thanks. But before we go, I want to give you a challenge. And I want to talk a little bit about the end of life. And it's interesting, when it comes to the end of our life, there might be things that you miss about life. There might be things that people miss of you. But what would God miss? So, so let's talk about the first one. If God would call you today, are there things that you would miss in life? And some of you might say, well, yeah, the plans I had for future to get married or to have kids. Or some of you might say, well, uh, I really enjoy that hobby. 
or I really enjoy time with my family, or I really enjoy what I do, and, and there might be things that you miss. And that's one way of looking at life. I think it's short-sighted. Let me take you higher. What would people miss of you? Are you living such a loving life that you are so impactful to the lives around you that when you would leave, if, if you were gone, they would miss you because of what you mean to them? Because you're pouring into them. Because you don't just live for yourself. Because you're praying for them and loving them and supporting them. But let me take you higher still. If you would leave, what would God miss of your life? What would God miss? See, the reason I ask this is because David looked at his life this way. And David, when it came to the end and why he should still live, said this in the psalm. He said, you know what, if I'm not here, it's not about what I will miss. It's not the golf I won't play and the, the time on the lake I won't have. It's not the grandkids. No, what is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, the dust can't praise you. It can't proclaim your faithfulness. And in these words of David, he gives us the meaning of life. Because David knows the purpose he's on the planet. And the purpose he is on the planet and we are on the planet is to praise God. And so I wonder, if your life was taken away, would God miss your praise? Or can he even hear it right now? I'm reminded of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah was told by God, you're going to die. Put your house in order. And Hezekiah pleaded with God for more time. And in his plea, this is what Hezekiah said. He said, remember, Lord, I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion have done what is good in your eyes. What sense does he have to live? But God, I'm living for you. I'm giving you active praise through my devotion. And the Lord heard this request and added life to his life. In fact, Hezekiah then repeated the words of, of David. Look what he said. If I live, the grave, it cannot praise you, and death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living they praise you as I am doing today. So parents, tell their children about your faithfulness. Is your praise of the Lord enough to be missed? If not, you still have time. May the Spirit empower you to show you again the purpose you're on this planet. To let others know the favor of the Lord through Jesus Christ. To let others know they can have hope and reasons for thanks even in a COVID era. May God lead you to praise Him. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, help me to remember the purpose I exist. I do not exist for myself, but for you. To give you glory and praise. To let others know your favor given through Jesus Christ. Revive weary spirits. Wipe the tears of sad hearts. And Lord, end the night of weeping, we pray. Thank you for the help and healing you have brought during this time. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.